We're back here on One on One, joined with Newsday beat reporter for the New York Yankees, Eric Bowen. We really appreciate you taking some time with us on this busy Saturday to talk some Yankees. And I want to start with just kind of a before the season thing. Obviously, you're around the team a ton. And the big news before opening day, before first pitch, was Aaron Judge and the contract or failed contract that the Yankees and him appeared to reach. And I just want to get your sense from being around the team I'm sure it's not been a distraction, but has it been a conversation? I know judges made it very clear that once first pitch, you know, kind of was thrown, he would throw it by the wayside, negotiate at the end of the season. But from your perspective, your vantage point, have you seen this contract, you know, trickle over at all into the season? Ryan, not not at all, to be honest with you. It's one of those things that, you know, players are able to compartmentalize a lot better than than we in the media and and, and fans uh, think that they are and and that's whether it's contracts or injuries or you know anything uh, that's not between the lines uh, these guys are are pretty good at setting those things aside and it, and if you look at judges first week of the season uh, you know, he looked pretty good at the most part at, at the plate, uh, reached base in each of the first seven games that he played in, didn't play uh, last night, got the the night off, pinch hit late in the game. But, uh, you know, you, you'll, you're not going to see any issues there. You know, look, there is there some grumbling maybe in the clubhouse that, uh, boy, this is, this is how they treat one of their own, uh, that they couldn't get him signed. You know, he's the face of the franchise. They've made a ton of money off of him. You see all the 99 jerseys in yeah. the stands and and everything else that, that's involved in, with a star player in, in New York but um, in, in terms of it impacting either judge or the team for that matter uh, you know I, I don't think that you're going to see that uh, I do think that it will be interesting to see if this gets into an arbitration hearing uh, which it looks like it probably will at some point in June uh, those can turn pretty nasty and, and fans remember the last time the Yankees uh, had a player in an arbitration hearing and that was Dylan Batan Back in 2017, uh, that got ugly and nasty. Uh, and Dylan Batansis, who in my now 14 years covering the team, I would rank among the most laid-back guys uh, that I've covered in that tenure. He was angry after that uh, that hearing, and in particular, team president Randy Levine, who uh, for some reason decided to do a touchdown dance after the Yankees beat Batances in that arbitration hearing, and that did not go over well with Batances, uh, who to this day still has some lingering bitterness about that, and it certainly didn't go over well in the clubhouse. Will it get that ugly with, with Judge in an arbitration hearing? Uh, I have no idea. I, I, I feel strongly both ways on that. Let me just say one other thing, and I'm sorry for the long rambling answer, Ryan, to your, your first question, because I'm sure you guys have other things you want to get to, but um, I do think that this was one of those situations with the contract offer that the Yankees made, uh, where uh, they made him a better offer than I thought that they would. I, I thought they were going to lowball him uh, the way that they did with Robinson Cano a long, long time ago, um, where I don't remember what, exactly what the offer was, but uh, I think it was something like uh, six, seven years. Maybe there was an eighth year in 175, I believe, and we remember he got you know well over 200 plus from from the Mariners, but. Um, you know, that, that was clearly a, a low ball offer where, where they knew there was no chance he was going to take it. Uh, I think with Judge, I think they were a little bit more pessimistic that, than people think that they 
they were in regards to this. Uh, but they did think that that was a, a there was a chance that he, that he would take it given his injury history and what they were offering in terms of the annual average value. Uh, I don't have any problem with Judge. I never have any problem with a player thinking that he can make more on the open market or, or he can get more uh, out of the team. But I think it was a good faith effort by the uh, the Yankees to sign him. Um, I, I don't think they should be necessarily criticized for that. I would criticize them for not signing one of the, the top shortstops on the market. I, I said all winter, I thought they should have gone hard after Correa. Um, but uh, in regards to this, I think criticism of them as an organization is a bit unfair. And trust me, I'm more than happy to criticize the organization and certain things that they do. Uh, I just don't think this one is fair game necessarily. But I also think the judge is perfectly within his rights uh, to bet on himself, to turn down that contract and see what he could get either more from the Yankees or on the open market if he gets to free agency. You know, you just mentioned Carlos Correa. Um, the Yankees made a couple of moves during the offseason, obviously bringing in Donaldson and IKF, but they were linked to so many of these big-name guys. You know, Freeman would have looked great in those pinstripes. Uh, there was a lot more. Why Why weren't they able to get any type of a deal done this offseason? Well, because they didn't try. And, and despite some of the reporting, and I'm certainly not going to mention any names or anything like that, but there was so much misinformation and bad information out there during the winter um, about the Yankees' pursuit uh, of those big-name guys. There was no pursuit, you know, for the most part. And certainly when it comes to the shortstop uh, class, they were never heavily or seriously involved in discussions for any of those guys, despite some of the nonsense that you, that you read out there uh, regarding that. Um, and, you know, Freddie Freeman had the price come down significantly. Uh, you know, they, they, they might have gotten, you know, more heavily involved in that one. Their number one priority when it came to first base was, was trying to get Olsen uh, or, yeah, Olsen from, from the A's, uh, who, of course, obviously ended up replacing Freeman in Atlanta. That was their number one target, but the asking price was astronomical, at least from the Yankees' standpoint. Uh, the A's uh, wanted either Peraza or Volpe, then two shortstop prospects that you've heard so much about. Uh, Yankees weren't willing to budge on either one of them, not criticizing. That's, that's just what it was. Um, and so they moved to their second priority, which was Anthony Rizzo, who obviously is one of the few guys to get off to a, to a good start at the plate. Uh, but otherwise, going into the offseason, their intention never was uh, to bestow one of those big contracts on one of those big ticket free agent items. So, uh, you know, I, Newsday readers were never misled. I can tell you that. Uh, I consistently in the offseason said that th this was a long shot at best, and, and I, I sometimes um, – and again, I don't want to be overly critical, but what the hell? Um, I, there, there just was a lot of misinformation out there uh, about the Yankees. And I remember reading one thing how, you know, the, the Yankees were, were kept getting linked to Correa. Oh, they're keeping tabs. They're kicking the tires. There is on the radar. You know, the Yankees are laying in the weeds, et cetera, et cetera, on Correa. And then Correa signs with the Twins. And then the next day I, I see a, a, a report saying, oh, the Yankees were never really involved in Korea, but Trevor Story, they're a finalist for. Well, that wasn't true either. So um, it's just I, people just, how can I put this? People have been slow to grasp that George Steinbrenner, who died in 2010, uh, is no longer running the team, that his son Hal doesn't run the team in the same way. Uh, he's not cheap. They're going to have a, a, a payroll in, in the range of you know, $250 to $260 million this year when all is said and done. 
Um, I don't think you can call that cheap. But that said, I would have made a run at Carlos Correa, a real run. I would have opened up the, I would have, you know, backed the, to use the cliche, backed up the Brinks truck and, and paid the guy, uh, you know, maybe not what he wanted, but but I would have made a, a real run at him uh, because here's an in his prime shortstop who has played on the biggest stage, has succeeded on the biggest stage, wanted to be a Yankee, told confidence of him uh, of that, that he wanted to be a Yankee, best all-around shortstop in the sport. It's 1A and 1B between him and, and, and Francisco Lindor, uh, probably, uh, who uh, would have embraced the big stage, again, wanted to be on the big stage. He's in his prime at age 27. Uh, that's the move that, that, that I would have made, but it's not my money. Um, and you know, again, despite what was out there, that just was never really a, a serious consideration for the for the Yankees. And I want to get more into what the Yankees did do because it was bringing in Josh Donaldson. And he, there's been so much talked about the edge that he brings to a team. Anthony Rizzo as well, full season of him being a World Series champion. Have you noticed outside of the production, we're still waiting on Donaldson to kind of break through this change in demeanor around the team, this edge, this presence that he has brought that's been, you know, solely so talked about with what he can do for a ball club? Ryan, not, not really yet. You know, I, I think that's one of those things that uh, plays out during the, the long marathon that's that's the season. Um, it was interesting that they placed his locker in spring training right near uh, Aaron Judges, uh, and you saw them uh, talking quite a bit, and uh, uh, he had an impact on, on Kyle Higashioka during the spring. You saw them talking a lot about uh, hitting strategy and the like, a hitting approach. Um, so, you know, Donaldson, you know, you, you never heard, and, and I talked to the, to people in the organizations that he had played with previously, you, you never heard that Donaldson was a bad teammate. Uh, you know, I think that was kind of an unfair reputation that he arrived in the Bronx with. Uh, but like you mentioned, that there is an edge. Uh, he certainly, particularly when, when things, uh, you know, were going south somewhat in, with some organizations that, that he was with, uh, that he could grate people the wrong way. Uh, and that's just an, an uber intensity and an uber competitiveness that he, uh, that he brings to the table. Uh, in terms of uh, impact in the Yankees clubhouse. I, I think that a week into the regular season, it, it, you're, you're not going to see that manifest itself uh, yet. And, and spring training, just sorry, it doesn't count um, because it's, and, and players will be the first one to, to tell you that, uh, that, that regardless of, you know, and I, I, the longer I've been doing this, uh, there's certain narratives and cliches that just drive me absolutely crazy. And uh, the, the import that gets put on uh, spring training. And, and when I read about, Oh, this team or that team is so closely knit and they're so tightly bounded in the spring and this is this is one of the the best clubhouses that we've ever had and i'm not just making fun of the yankees for saying you know stuff like this every organization does it i think in the spring but that's because the games don't matter and everyone for the most part gets along in spring training because uh unless you're trying to make the team as either a a, a veteran on a minor league contract or a young player trying to prove himself uh it's not that spring training that nobody takes it seriously but there's just no comparison between the games in Grapefruit League, or Grapefruit League in, in Florida, or uh, the Cactus League in Arizona, and when when the lights come on for real on March 31st or April 7th, in this case, uh, you know this year, you, you just can't uh, compare. So yeah, every team is close, and they do their team bonding things, and they're the closest you know team that's that's ever in the history of that organization. Uh, and then the games start for real, and, and then you really see uh, who the clubhouse leaders are, and and who has the an edge and, and who's impacting who, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and again, it's just, it's just too early to, to say one way or another with, uh, with Donald.
Donaldson. But uh, I, I don't think there's a real concern because you have strong personalities already in that clubhouse um, that he could impact it in a, in a negative way. But, you know, d- depending on how the season goes, that, that can have a, a, a big uh, determination on that as well. You know, we've talked a lot or before, before you got on, we talked a lot about the bullpen and everything and how that should be the highlight of the team this year. And one of the lowlights has been Aurora Chapman. He struggled mightily in his last two outings last night, walking in the game losing run. You know, is he going to be the answer in the back end of that pen this year? And if he's not, who should the Yankees be looking towards to take over in the back end? Well, I, I think that with Chapman, you know, you, you can't demote him yet. You, you know, demoting a closer a week into the season it would be silly. Um, and they have gone down that road with him before. I mean, he at one point last year uh, got demoted out of the closers role. I seem to remember it happening in, in 2020. I know in 2019, uh, you know, he, he, he lost that, that job for, for a week or two. Uh, you know, so it, it has happened when he's had some uh, prolonged struggles. Uh, I, I'm just not so sure, you know, his first couple of outings, he looked good. Then the other night, obviously walking the bases loaded and Michael King uh, came in and, and, and saved the day for them uh, last night. I, I think you just sort of, you know, he came in in a really uh, tough spot. I think you can question why on the three-two pitch he went with a slider, which is not his, uh, which is not his best pitch. Uh, you know, you, you always say with with closers, you know, you you win or lose with your best pitch, and, and that's not his best pitch. It's the you know ninety-nine hundred mile hour fastball, sometimes one hundred one. Um, but his velocity was a little bit down last night when he when he came in, so that's certainly worth uh, you know following up on and, and and seeing how that goes his next time out. And I think his first fastball last night was ninety. 95 uh, did get it up to to 99 but but clearly the consistency wasn't there uh, there wasn't his first couple of outings but uh, I, I don't think a role this Chapman if you're if you're going over a list of, of quote issues one week into the season eight games in they're four and four uh, I, I think a role this Chapman in the back end is pretty low on that uh, that list at this point to answer Daniel the second part of your question I, I actually asked Aaron Boone pregame yesterday. I said, if Aroldis is down a day, you know, how many guys in that bullpen would you feel comfortable closing with? And uh, he gave kind of a non-answer, but he did say that, you know, there, any number of guys he'd be comfortable closing with. And I actually think that that's a, uh, that's accurate because uh, you could throw Chad Green in there. You could throw Low Isaac in there. I think Clay Holmes stuff, uh, what you saw last year and what we've seen early this season, you could see him close. Uh, I wouldn't have said last year that Michael King had uh, had uh, closer timber, but what we saw the other night, he sure, he sure looked it. So, um, you know, I, I think Boone actually could go to any number of, you know, five or six guys besides Chapman that, that he could be comfortable with closing on a given night. But again, I think it's far too soon to let that horse out of the barn uh, and, uh, and, and demote uh, Chapman. If, if he's struggling at the end of April, you maybe consider a move like that, but not yet. Eric Bowen, Newsday beat reporter for the New York Yankees. We really thank you for taking the time with us, talking some Yankees, you know, ending it on a little little tough note there, but we'll see what happens. It's 162 to play, so a ton left. Thanks for coming on the show here this afternoon. Ryan, Daniel, enjoyed it, and uh, hope to talk to you guys again. Thank you very much.